Hello and welcome to Touchline from Kasper Els and Mark Cameron. Hello Mark. Hi Kas, nice being back. We have quite a bit to, to discuss today and we've got a very welcome guest in our, in our studio. We welcome an old voice, Mr. Donald Nguenya. Donald, welcome back. Thanks guys. Hello Mark. Hi Don, nice having you back in studio. We're starting off with our local rugby that started again this weekend with the Sharks and Griquas. Sharks beating the Griquas 35-10 with the Stormers and the Cheetahs, where the Cheetahs just managed to squeeze it in against the Stormers 34-33. The Lions and the Pumas, where the Pumas actually did very well, and the Lions beating them 32-28. And then the Bulls with a runaway score against Eastern Province, 87-10. Mark, your thoughts? Well, firstly, it was nice to see the local franchises back in action again. Um, I don't think one can read too much into most of the games that took part, part this, uh, that everyone took part in this weekend for the simple reason that the four bigger franchises, if I can put them in that category, the Sharks, the Lions, the Stormers, and the Bulls um, obviously are playing in this preparation cup for that reason, and that's to prepare for the, the overseas leg and the Pro Pro 16. Um, and what happened obviously was most of those franchises played their B to C sides um, with the with the odd A team player playing for them. So obviously it gave the coaches the chance to to see their fringe players. Um, what it did do, though, and, and that's why I say a lot of people are, are hammering the Stormers for argument's sake, playing against the Cheetahs. Cheetahs, yes. in theory, played their, their strongest side against the Stormers. And, and as I said, all four big unions um, use that as preparation. And obviously, as the competition goes on, they'll probably end with their stronger sides to prepare for, to go to the Pro 16. So I don't think, I don't think there's much to read into it. Um, obviously, from a spectator point of view, um, the spectators will have questions because they support their specific franchises. But as we sit around this table, we're all coaches, so we know what is happening behind the scene. The sad part in this whole thing, um, if I can focus on one specific game, is the EP, EP game against yes. the Bulls. I think it just showed, and I mean the Eastern Cape have got quality players, but it just shows the difference between a very professional side like the Vodacom Bulls playing against EP where those guys haven't played in nearly a year and a half or whatever it is. Now they've come back into it and it just shows the level. And if we if we are honest with ourselves, we'll probably see that EP are probably the smallest union when it comes to professionalism. So yes. they're only starting out now. They've had many changes with a lot of their players leaving, obviously, after they couldn't feel the side and all the problems in the Eastern Province. Um, but it's good for the South African rugby. They need to play because that's part of our hub is to, to yes. get players out of that region. And there's some brilliant players. I mean, they've got an ex-Springbok coach that's that's in charge of them. Um, so that was the, probably the sad part. And it just showed, I mean, 87, people going 87-10. Um, and it was probably the Bulls' seaside that played. Um, and, and most probably the, the Eastern Provinces' A side that played. But be it as it may, it's also a stepping stone for those players. They're coming back. Peter de Villiers is obviously having a look at what he's got there because, let's face it, he also went into it blindfolded. You can only 
prepare with whatever he's got. Um, but yeah, it's only the first leg, and as I said, I think as the competition goes on, it will get stronger and stronger, and part of that we'll see in 10 days' time, for argument's sake, when the Sharks now play um, the Cheetahs, and we'll see what Coach Sean Everett does there, if he's going to pick a different side or he's going to continue grooming the youngsters, because if you think about it, with COVID and that going into Pro 16, the uh, youngsters might get a, might well get a chance to play as well. Donald? Yeah, um, I think it, it, this week can give us a chance to see what the four franchises, as Mark said, uh, what depth they've got. So those are the players who were on show, basically, for those uh, four big unions. So we could see what the Sharks have got behind the, what you sort of call your A players and, and so on with the other, other provinces, um, which are, I think it looks good. I'll say it, it's, it's looking healthy. I'll, you know, considering if you saw how the Sharks finished that game um, yes. against Krikosi with those youngsters coming in and how they finished it, I thought it was brilliant. Um, and the way the Bulls took out, um, I know Eastern provinces, as Mark mentioned, it's, 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 uh, they don't have much depth of, in terms of players. And, and I actually quite recognize quite a number of ex-Matibas players in, in that Eastern province team. So these guys, some of them just came out of Varsity Shield to a professional setup to play against a, a, a Bulls franchise. That's kind of asking quite a bit. You it know. is. It's definitely yeah. asking quite a bit. Yeah. Just, just on that, Don, um, as a coach, I mean, and we're both coaches now in, in, in our different fields, um, if you can maybe just explain to, to the listeners from a coaching point of view, if you look at the Vodacom Bulls playing against Eastern Province. In that specific game, a guy like Peter de Villiers would probably have learned more than a guy like Jake White from playing structures and keeping to your structures. And because when it opens up, anyone can run. Even, even with Sean Everett, in the last 20 minutes when the Sharks opened up, in theory, there was no structure or anything. They just played space and they saw what was going on. Then you look at a guy, and he's got a lot of criticism this week, uh, Dobson from, from the Stormers. If you look at him, the game was a lot closer. He also had youngsters that he was blooding. The Cheetahs aren't a bad side. And the Cheetahs narrowly beating the Stormers. So I think if you had to compare the Stormers coach and the Bulls coach, I think the Stormers coach would have learned more out of that game than a guy like Jake White. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, because the Cheetahs are actually quite a, a, a decent team. I mean, if you look at um, France, then, you know, you got Springboks there. I'm glad Ron Pina is back, and uh, the Specmans and all those guys in playing in there. And um, I, I thought those uh, Stormers players accounted well. Because that Cheetahs team on any given day can beat any one of these four big unions. We've seen it before happening in Curry Cup and, and in other competitions. And so it's it's I think Dobson will be happy, you know, to say that where we call it a B-side, they, that they, they were competitive. So he's got something to build on from there, on, on, on that foundation, when he brings back his, his, his main players into the form. The game, the Lions and the Pumas. The Pumas showed that if you field a, a B-side against the Bulls, if you field a B-side, they're going to come for you. They're really going to come for you. And, and I think the Lions, the Lions almost misjudged them in that game as well. 
If it wasn't for some of the, the more seasoned players, they probably would have lost the game. But, you know, and I say this with respect yet again, you can't compare uh, Tafalaga, Griquas, and um, the Pumas against a team like Eastern Province, for argument's sake, because the Pumas and Griquas have been playing Curry Cup. They played Super Rugby. Yes. Um, they are, in all probability, a better side than Eastern Province in any case. Um, even if they had played Curry Cup, Eastern Province, if you think about it now, they a union that is rebuilding and trying to get their yes. ducks in a row again. So teams like the Sharks and the Stormers and the Lions that play against the so-called smaller unions, when they decide to pick a B or C side against those unions, in all probability they could be up against it. If if we, for argument's sake, we the Sharks played Griquas at the Shark Tank on the weekend. If we took that same side and we played at Griquas in Kimberley, the first half could have sunken us because we just, just hung in there in the first half. And it's only that latter part in the second half that, that we started taking taking over control of the game. So um as I said now, I think I think the the smaller unions like Griquas and the Pumas, their coaching staff would obviously also motivate their team to perform against the so-called bigger sides for the simple reason that some of them might feel that you're disrespecting them and they need to prove a point and and and. And we've seen that many times before. I mean, the Sharks played in Kimberley this year with our strongest side and it took Kerwin Wash in the last few seconds of the game to hit a long-range penalty to win it. So, I mean, in, in game, you know, it, it depends on who pitches and whatever, but against, against the teams that have been playing in the Curry Cup and Super Rugby, you can't take it for granted that you'll win. Definitely. Then a team like Eastern Province now that in all likelihood, a couple of months ago, everybody wrote them off and said they'll never feel the side, actually need to be commended for the fact that they did feel the side and they actually did well against against the Bulls under circumstances. Yeah, it's going to take a, a, a while considering what, you know, the issues that they had there. It's not easy rebuilding a, a side after you've disbanded and you know, obviously players leave seeking better opportunities somewhere and you have to try and build from scratch. So it's, it's going to take a, a, a while for them to, 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 to get back. But um, like you say, if they, 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 they've got um, a university there that's going to cup now, which is a good foundation for them. They've got good schools there. If they can manage to keep that talent in, in that area, then in a couple of years they'll they'll be back and be, and be competitive. The problem with a lot of that is, um, you know, in South Africa, like the rest of the world, you have scouts all over the show, and the youngsters that know they can play rugby, they've got agents. So if one, if one could, and I agree with you on that, if one could keep them in that region, it would do wonders for them. But unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Um, it's a lucrative business, and obviously players make it a, a, a lifestyle of theirs, and they want to earn money. One of the problems that they do have, and Ini Rayebi is a prime example, he was one of their star players coming from the Sharks, and he was their captain. He's out for the remainder of this cup because he's now injured. So if you look at the Sharks, the Bulls, even the Stormers, they fielded second to third string players. They could afford to have the odd injury, where a team like Eastern Province is now in trouble with their fly-off because they don't have the depth that the rest of the provinces have. Definitely. So, I mean, we feel, feel for them, but you are 100% right, Gus, in saying that 
they managed to fill the side. They're obviously rebuilding. And I agree with you, Don. If, if, if they can get their structures right and they have buying from players and, and commitment is a, is a huge thing, yeah, because... You know, it's it's the same as under 20 players. If an under 20 player goes to a club and the club invests in that player and he becomes a senior player and he moves to another club, then you've lost your investment, really, because you want them to be part of the future. So the same is going to happen with Peter de Villas. And Peter de Villas has said in the in the press this week that Eastern Province have got a far way to go. And I think they, they learned their lesson. I think they thought they were further than they realised um, up until the time that they played the Bulls. And, and you know, unfortunately for them, they... they got the bad end of the draw to, to <laughs> draw the Bulls in their first game. Definitely. And then the other thing that I noticed or, or that just um, came up today was that EP can take this now one or two ways. They can either realise where they are, work harder and, and build on that, or go the other way and get smashed properly and, and, and not build on, on, on what they have now. I think I think you are right, but uh, uh, part of the problem is if you look at if you look at the teams playing in this, and it's not really a competition because they're not playing for anything. It's just preparation for the four unions to go on. But they can use this as a stepping stone. They can, if they're honest with themselves, you know, as a coach, you can motivate as much as you want to. Players listen to what's happening in social media. They they know what's going on, so you can tell them, listen, we Japan, we're going to smash this All Blacks or whatever. Those guys need to be at that level to believe what they are doing. They need to believe in their structures. Yes. They need to believe in management. And, and something like that to rebuild is from the top down and from the bottom up. Um, it's going to take them time. So if, if you look at what's happened with the Bulls now playing against their BC side, the probability of them being smashed in every game is good. What you say is smashed depends on who's looking at it and who's sitting on what side of the fence. Whether they're going to win or not, that's where it is. So as a coach, you know, you, you need to motivate your players as well, but you need to be realistic and you need to let them understand that, um, yes, it's going to be tough, it's going to be difficult, we might lose this, but let's break it down. This is where we want to be. Firstly, we don't want to take 87 points again. You need to man up and you do need to do certain things. Coaches need to go back to the drawing board to say, right, where, where are we? Was it because of our fitness? Was it the lack of defense? Was it the lack of communication? Whatever it is. And then you go. 87 is not negotiable. We can't go there anymore. Let's keep it with respect. Let's keep it down less than 50. If we eat 50, then there's a problem. And whoever their decision makers is on the field, they need to be held accountable. So I think it's a long way for, for the coaching staff there. But I mean, Peter de Villiers has been around the block. He knows what to do. He's had, he's had experience all over the world. And it can't be worse than it is currently, I think. They can only go up, but it's going to take time, as Don said. It's going to take time. We were talking about varsities and EP varsity that might del deliver or breed some players for EP. Let's talk about the varsity cup and the varsity shield. Donald, if you want to explain to us what's happening now in the near future. Yeah, um, it's great that that will who go on again this year. Um, last year, it was disrupted in the middle of the competition. And um, so, you know, I think most of the varsities must have played about four rounds each. And then, then you know, COVID hit us and then we had to stop. Um, so this year, the, the thought is it will go into a bio bubble. So that's all going to happen at, at, at Tex. Yes. Yeah, in Pretoria. So all the teams will, will stay there and there will be control. 
and um, so no one in, no one out. When you're there, there will be obviously COVID testing done to ensure that everyone is safe and and just like they do more or less in the professional setup. So that will that, that, that will have control that way. Um, so Varsity Cup goes first, so yes. they start on the second of of April. They go for ten days, and then um, they finish on Sunday. I think after the tenth day, and then um, then Varsity Shield comes in. They also go for another ten days, and then they take a week's break each, and then they then it it, it go into a second bubble again. So basically, you'll be playing three games in that week, more or less like travel week. You know how they, so yeah. Three games a week and then you're going to yeah. do it two weeks. Yeah, then you come again another time. Yeah, so there's two, for Varsity Shield, there's two bio bubbles because they're lesser games. But for Varsity Cup, there will be three bio bubbles because they've got, okay. yeah, they've so got 10 teams, yeah. Mm. So so if you, if you say you guys are going to go for 10 days at a time, basically, and three games, that means that, you're going to take more players, obviously. And if you can explain to, to the listeners as to how many players and how you're allowed to rotate them and things like that, how it'll work. Okay, so you allow the squad of 29. You take 29 players to the bio bubble. And um, if, you get, if you get an injury and the, and the player is totally out of the tournament, you are allowed to bring someone in, obviously, but they must have done a, 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 a test. They must be... Have done a COVID test to to show that they are they are clear, and you can replace that player that's in the bubble with him. So that one goes out, and the one that's replacing immediate, the immediate, no yeah, factor. yeah. Then that one replaces him, yeah. So you you are allowed to fly in the player in in that situation until you you complete your your ten days. And are you allowed to utilize all 29 players that's yes. in that bubble? Yeah, it's it's up to you. Oh, okay. So it's nice rotation and keeping the players yeah. as fit. Oh, yeah, because right. now squad depth is going yes. to be very important. important yes, yeah. I think this, whoever is going to do well here, Mark, will depend on how, first of all, which is new to coaches now in the situation, how you manage this COVID situation. Because I'm talking about starting from now. Mm. You can imagine if you... We basically what the varsity sports will do will be testing um, each university every week. Can you imagine if you're just about to go to the to the tournament and you lose your whole front row to Correct. COVID? Yeah. Now you you now you taking your second string front row to the to the to the, to and the tournament and your third string because a, your a, reserves are now your a, third string. Exactly. Yeah. Now you you do you understand how it puts you back? So if you manage this COVID situation well. It puts you on a okay. on a good standing. You you got you have to worry about that first, and then you have to worry about the injuries when you. But that that also speaks volumes of, from a coaching point of view, how your structures are for your players to actually buy into this. Definitely, because you can do and say as much as you want to. If your players don't look after themselves, true. then mm -hmm. uh, they might infect quite a few players exactly. in your squad. So mm -hmm. you're talking about a front row. You might yeah. lose six, seven, eight players you at a time. Might lose ten. And, and know, that's where the problem is. So there's massive responsibility on the players here to mm -hmm. take responsibility of what they're doing, um, other than all the other stuff. But then what's the chances, if you're not talking about six, seven, eight, nine players, what's the chances of one of these teams being kicked out of the tournament due to remember, COVID testing? Yeah, so remember you, you have a squad of, you say, about 40 players. 
So even if you take 29, you still got about mm. that and many I'll left. Yeah. So by right, you should be able to replace, yeah. let's say, those six if they are. But you're definitely going to be but playing with a B side. That's, that's the thing. Okay. So it compromises the strength. Because the, the, the ones who are left behind might not necessarily be your top players. So you take you you would have you would have picked your best your best team to go, and then say then six of them test positive, and now that you 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 can't take them. So now you have to look at the. But next if you've person. got players now, six players testing positive within your squad, what's the chances of your whole squad there being removed from the from the tournament? Well, it won't happen because that's why they're testing it. So the difference yeah. here is if you compare varsity. Cup and Varsity Shield to, let's say, the Six Nations. So the Six Nations, part of that, if you move into a country, you need to be quarantined for 10 days. Or yes. These guys move in and out as they please, basically. So if you test positive today, Donald can have me in your place tomorrow morning already. There's no quarantine or anything. So in theory, they guarantee to go up and down. But that's why we're saying if, if there's five players and a lot of times you get your mates that all walk around together and stay together and mingle together, obviously they won't be able to go out of the bubble, but they all sit together, so six or seven or eight of them might get positive, then he has to bring eight players in. So it's unlike the Six Nations or all the other competitions. But remember, you you get tested before you go into the bubble. Mm. Yes. So if if a, if a player is, is positive, he can't go. Mm. So he's out. He misses out. So he, he can't even get on, 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 on the plane or the bus mm. to, you know, to Pretoria, so he stays behind. So he, the the guys that go in are the ones that are negative, that go into that into that. And that's bubble. the time that you want yeah. to be negative. Exactly. <laughs> that's, <laughs> exactly. So that's that, that's how it is. Yeah. So the one who tests positive then he has to go back and actually quarantine for for 14 days, and then before he gets back, he has to be tested again to see that. He's but there you'll actually be fine because when you guys have done your 10 days, then the Varsity Cup starts. Yeah. So that would actually benefit, and that's actually a very good idea from the organisers mm -hmm. because if someone tests positive, you will be able to bring your strongest team back. But you can, yes, they, they can play in the second bubble. Yeah, that's what it's... the quarantine Yeah. So the guys that played in the Shield now... Can then stay on and play in the cup. No, as no, well. no, no, no. What we're saying is, if a player tests positive, let's say Donald and them go in their first in their first uh, block, so yes. they're playing up, yeah. and one of his players tests positive and they need to be out for ten days, by okay. the time they have to go back for their second bubble, those he, guys, he, and that's yeah, why they moved it like that. So you would be okay. able, oh, although it. you miss out on some of your players in the first bubble, the second bubble you could possibly feel the stronger side again if they don't test positive during the week or so that yeah, they're exactly. away. Understand. Thank you. Good to hear. Then some Six Nations. We had the, the two games on the Six Nations, Italy versus Ireland. Ireland beating Italy 48-10. And then Wales-England, a game that I watched and thoroughly enjoyed. Wales beating England 40-24. Can you explain to us why you enjoyed it? Mark, to answer your question, it was just good, proper rugby, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hear you, Cass. I hear you. Your thoughts? On what? On the game? On the game. Oh, okay. And the so, games. <laughs> there were two games, Mark. Yeah, so, so firstly, if one could go to the Italy-Island game, um, yet again, you know, 
one has to take it similarly, I suppose, to, to EP Kings in South Africa playing in, in the Preparation Cup. You know, Italy, unfortunately, all the years of playing in the Six Nations have been, it's harsh to say it like this now, but the whipping boys, because I think to be a coach there is very difficult to keep these guys motivated week in and week out, knowing it's going to be tough. But I think what is important from an Italy point of view, because they've got, they've got some class players playing all over the world, is to put everything together, to start getting that self-belief to, to say that we are good enough. One of the problems they are facing is to put 18 minutes together on a park. So they play in patches, and when they play in patches, they got ball in hand, they're actually very good. Um, so to, to get that mindset, and you know, Franco Smith, I think he's got his, he's got his work cut out. I just hope from a, from a, as a coach myself, and Italy and the Union stick with him over the next two, three years and, and take him through the World Cup and that, because if you look at them, they chop and change coaches every two years or whatever, and that is part of the problem. Ireland, on the other hand, you know, they haven't played the best rugby um, of late. So 48-10 to Italy compared to all the other uh, countries that have played against them, put 50-odd past them, um, proper rugby that they played. But Ireland is a good side, so a lot of their structures were good. Um, you know, so so Johnny Sexton was back and, and, and all of that. So they, they, they were quite good, and, and I feel for Italy. Um, so... Yeah, let's sooner move on to the Wales-England Wales game. Um, I think that was a massive surprise to everyone. It um, was. You know, if you say you enjoyed the game, I think there were, there were some patches in the game that was good. There was some poor, poor decision-making. Obviously, from an English point of view, they all blame the referee for, for what is happening. And, and part of it was similar to what happened to South Africa years ago, where the ref said to John Smith, I think he was the captain, have a chat with your team. Um, and while we were chatting, the ref said play and, and they scored a try against. So having said that, though, on, on Saturday against, against Wales, the referee said, time on and we're going to play. And the English obviously didn't react quick enough. But the Welsh had already spread out and they were already waiting. And then obviously they found the English um, wanting a little bit. But that's, and, and that's obviously a demotivating factor, but they are a professional outfit. They were ranked second in the world. Um, they played in the World Cup final, so it shouldn't be an excuse. They were still in the game then, and uh, obviously then the wheels fell off, and, and I think for a, for a big country like, like England and a great team like them, and Wales not playing the best rugby, but have been playing well the last few games, to put 40 points past a quality slide like England, I think there's a problem. Um, and that's for Eddie Jones and, and, and all his coaches to sort out. And But yet again, well done to, to Wales. They won the triple crown as well by beating England. So they uh, did, yeah. good up to them. And their coach was under huge pressure when the Six Nations started. And I think he's all smiles at the moment. Yeah, I think uh, this last game that Mark was talking about, uh, I think it's the best game that Wales have played because I thought uh, they got it um, against... Uh, was it Ireland and, and Scotland? They they were lucky to win those yeah, two games. Right. I really felt yeah, 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 yeah. I, I felt those red cards helped them. We might argue no, that we might debate it. Yeah. So I, I think um, this is the best game that they've played. By far. Uh, yeah, by far. And um, yes, there were those two calls that were made. And um, like Mark said. The English way. There's one. If you remember, there's one where the scrum have also tapped. They were they were napping there, 
which wasn't a referee's call. So they had their backs turned, he tapped quickly, he went through and he scored. So it just tells you that England were not in the in the right um, frame of mind, frame of mind yeah. like they normally are and switched on and ready. So that's, I think, uh, and not taking anything away from Wales, they, they really did well. And if you, we're going back to um, the Italy um, Island game, yes. Um, I think, as you said, uh, Mark, I think Italy's got a very young side, which they need to really persist with. And they, they're playing some good rugby, yeah. if you if you look at it. And in the game against France, even though they took a, a, a quite a hiding, they, they were competitive for quite periods of time. They mm. were they were very competitive, and it was just those breakaway tries that sort of uh, broke their spirit a bit. If they can fix those defensive areas and maybe work a bit more on their conditioning, I think because that's what also kills them because they get beaten in the last 60 minutes. Right. You, when the game gets to 60 minutes and those last 20, 15 minutes, they sort of fade away. They, if they can sort that out and with this side and, and keep Franco Smith because mm-hmm. he's quite a good, good coach. Yeah, we saw what he did with the Cheetahs. Yeah. You know, he, he will build that team mm. to be competitive. I think they should just be patient with him and just not cast him and out. I agree. I mean, if you look at some of the tries they scored yeah. so far in the competition, I mean, some of the, the top sides like England haven't even delivered that standard. You know, so it shows they've got the ability. It shows they've got the know-how um, structures. Look, at, so it could also be, a. I mean, Franco, I think this is his second year in charge of Italy, if I'm not mistaken. But I mean, last year they hardly played. So there's a lot of changes happening. Um, yes, he's he's just by nature of whatever's happening in the world with players moving all over the show. He's got a couple of big big boys there from South Africa, yeah, part South Africa, of the, yeah. of the They were side. actually at the Sharks, yeah. Yes, no, yeah. 100%. <laughs> so we produce the goods all over yeah. the world. Um, and, and, and it is. And, and you need to keep with that and you need to keep going and believe. Uh, but yet again, as I said, it comes from the top going down because now the union needs to support Franco Smith. And he's got a, he's got a huge responsibility. But I can tell you, I think if he gets it right, because some of the Italy players playing in Italy themselves, and you can see that in the different competitions, they're good. Now you look at some of them, they played in the play in the world, all over France and, and England and wherever. I mean, those are professional outfits with, with private owners that own those clubs. They won't spend so much money to bring an Italian guy in if they're not good enough. So they are good enough. It's to get these guys together and keep focusing and going forward with a, maybe like we have at the club, a five-year plan. Um, put that five-year, six-year plan of them, but the coach needs to stay and his support staff. And so so it's a vicious circle, but it's all systems go for them. So I think they'll do well going forward. But And as you said, they've got a young side. They need to believe in them, though. And then we go on to the France game that was cancelled or postponed. I think it was cancelled at the end. Um, and now I see that um, the French government said that they might pull France out of the Six nations going forward. Your thoughts, Donald? Yeah, I think COVID is a bit of a problem, isn't it? it it's is. been a challenge. We saw it in the Curry Cup yep. as well. We we had some games cancelled uh, because of, I think, um, the French side. I think they lost 10 players with who yes. tested positive in that. And um, and the situation in France is not, exi- is not exactly quite good right now in terms of of managing the you know COVID, so that's why you you get sentiments like this that yes. maybe we should pull the team out. But you know the government there, I think it's a prime minister if I'm not mistaken. Yes, um, she 
she did state from the beginning that if, if they presented, because initially they were last last minute inclusion in the in the Six Nations because they didn't want to go, um, and they wanted certain criteria enforced, and they were promised basically that certain things will happen. So they now are going to say, but if that is what you promised, something must have happened. So we want to investigate, and if we feel there was a breach, then we will pull our sides. And and you know with with COVID as as rife as it is at the moment. Um, and a government official like that making a statement prior to the tournament, there has to be a consequence somewhere along the line. And it's sad that, yes. that a sport like rugby has to suffer, but we're still talking lives here. We're still talking, you know, guys with, with young kids and that, and, and, and maybe it's the right decision. Let's see. Time will tell. The next round of Six Nation Games will be on the 13th of, of March. Italy, Wales. Um, also on the 13th will be England, France. Hopefully France will play that one. And then on the 14th, Scotland, Ireland. Any comments on those games? The, the game there, obviously people have been waiting for will be that England, France, if it happens. Because that's before Six Nations started, people were thinking those two will be the sides to contest um, the championship to see who wins. Yeah. Um, I mean, the French team has been building quite nicely. They've been really uh, performing well, and uh, and uh, that would have been a, a nice game to to watch and and see what would have happened there. Um, so hopefully they'll get to play and and we can see who, you know who's stronger than who they. Yeah, I think part of part of that game, the problem there might be that. Um, twofold. Let's talk France first. They wouldn't have played in about three to four weeks because we, yes. this was the second week where where they were off now and then another 10 days mm -hmm. or whatever. Yes. So that could count against them. Um, they might themselves feel quite positive that England is on a down, unfortunately, and there's there might be more more problems with the with the English side than yeah. than we lost two are games. aware of. Yeah. Um, a fact that I think I will put my put my head in this whole thing to say I think England is out of it. They won't win the Six Nations. So there in itself is a lot of pressure because they're defending champions. Yes. Um, and and the French we know with the with the youngsters um, they fielded some class players. They are they are an eye. They preparing for the World Cup in France in 2023. So they want to finish the competition strong. Wales is in it all of a sudden. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so they haven't lost again. Yes. Yeah, so the French know they have to beat England. Um, the English know they have to save face and they need to to start playing. But I think a good game, a good game, will be the Scotland Island game. I think the Scots have surprised quite a few people in the in the Six Nations as well, and the Irish haven't really hit their straps yet. I think uh, Mr. Farrell himself is, is under pressure there slightly, as well as a coach. And um, I'm hoping the Scots pull that one off. They deserve it. They've played some good rugby this year. Then we move on to the award nominations for this year. And I see that the, the Sharks are featuring quite well in there with Cohen Bosch as Player of the Year as well as Young Player of the Year. We've got... Um, Mr. 
Richardson, Dylan Richardson also as Young Player of the Year, the Sharks team itself as the Team of the Year, and then Sean Everett as Coach of the Year. Donald, your yeah, comments? I think they, they've, they've performed very well. Remember, if we're looking at the year, we're looking from, from the start of, um, of, of, of Super Rugby when the Sharks were, were really brilliant and they, were, they played some really good rugby and the players were performing well there. And we also consider they were Curry Cup finalists. You know, so it's a fact that you cannot ignore. So I'm not quite surprised to see that uh, we, we've got players featuring and the coach being nominated. I think the, 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 the franchise has done pretty good. Yeah, I think you're 100% right, Don. Um, you know, I think people, unfortunately, this is how it works. You only remember the, your last few rounds. And obviously, if you go further down and, and when Gus speaks about it, there's quite a few bulls that are, that are nominated there's as well. There's a lot well. of bulls. And the Bulls have done well, also from the beginning. I agree with that. But um, of late, I mean, the Bulls won the Curry Cup and they won the South African version of Super Rugby. Um, therefore, you know, in our minds, you'd see the Bulls right up there. But it's a, it's a collective from the beginning of the season last year, mm. really, because this is what it's about to where we're ending. But what I would like to talk about, um, if I can just touch on it quickly, is the Kerwin Bosch inclusion. And the reason I'm saying that is because... This poor young man was pulled to pieces in the in the Curry Cup final as to how he useless was. he was, and he shouldn't be in the team, and he cost the team in that, um, which is which is sad. And, and Donald and I can speak about this from a coaching point of view, but uh, I don't want to harp on that. But this just shows what this young man is made of to have a bad game like that, um, and and you could see after the game how it actually affected him because he's better than that. I mean, we mustn't forget at a young age he's a Springbok himself. Um, it just speaks volumes of the caliber of what he is to be nominated for a for a prestigious position like that. So um, all ups to him and and you know the people that that saw the good in him because he is a good player. I mean, you can't you can't class a guy or judge a guy on one specific game. And uh, I go back to the Curry Cup final. I mean, the the kicks that he kicked. Oh, and that he missed, we normally go and say, Shish, he should get it. It's like when Franz Stein used to kick those long ones. Yes. If he misses yeah. it, you go, well, what just happened? Mm, yeah. You know, so it doesn't sit with a normal person to do that. And, and big ups to, to Kerwin Bosch and obviously to Sean, because Sean still backs him 100%. Mm. Yeah, the Bulls feature quite substantially in all of this as player of the year, team of the year, coach of the year. Jake White is also included in that. And then the one that stands out is Dwayne Vermeulen. He's almost everywhere. He's calling Curry Cup Player of the Year nomination. He's the, the Vodacom Super Rugby and Unlock Player of the Year. Um, he's also Player of the Year. He, he just features everywhere. Well, obviously, the name Dwayne Vermeulen speaks for itself. Yes. I mean, he's not Thor for no reason. Um, you know, so, I mean, if he, and, and part of what has happened, and Jake White batted very clever when he took over as the director of rugby at the Bulls. Um, he brought in quite a, quite a number of quality senior players, and Dwayne, Dwayne um, Vermeulen is one of those. So, I mean, Dwayne, when he walks into a room, I think the, the players sit up and they listen because he's well-respected worldwide. And um, I think that is, that is part of the reason why, why they've done well. But I'd like to stick my head out of here, um, and personally, 
if I had a vote, would vote for Cornell Hendricks. I think he yeah. had an absolute smashing season. He's um, nominated for one of the yeah. one of the awards. Correct. Or was it um, two? And and you know he's technically playing out of position. Yes. And he's like a youngster that has just did form all of a sudden. And, you know, I don't know how, how Russia and them will select the Springbok side, but for me, he's definitely a part of the form centers in South African rugby. And unfortunately, his age might, might count against him because they might be building for the World Cup. But um, he's had such a good season. And if you look at where he's come from with his illness and that, um, it defied all odds to come back where he was told he'll never play again and so on and so forth and uh, my money would definitely be on him to win that I, specific I, I, one. Might, I might differ slightly from, from Mark if I was to pick a player there, I'll go with Stephen Kitts of Father he was outstanding he <laughs> in a struggling team and he other he was brilliant he's you know with it, he, if he wasn't in that Stormers team uh, it might have been far worse in he would be my. He would be the player. Because even Chris has been nominated as player of the year. Yes, I would yes, definitely yes. go with him. I yeah. don't think he had a single bad game. In yeah. every every time he he played, he he was totally he dominated yeah. in the scrums. He, he he did well. I think as well what one what one mustn't forget. I mean, you look at a guy like Franz Stein, that uh, came into the Cheetah side. Um, he was also nominated. Um, if you look at him. The, the 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 spine, if you want to call it that, of the cheetah side, he was obviously yeah, the anchor of that. Yeah. Mm. And going into the knockouts of the Curry Cup, uh, right into the final, he was a leading point scorer. Yes. And they didn't even make the semifinals. Oh, no, no. So, um, you know, and, and if you look at both him and Ruan Pino that were brought in for specific roles, you can't only look at their ability in playing rugby. You need to look at their leadership and guiding a young side like the Cheetahs and whatever. And, I mean, he performed. I, mm. I don't know if I'm missing this, but I think he's lost a little bit of weight as well. He's actually looking quite good. And, he obviously, does. his focus is to play for the Springboks again, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm glad I don't have to be the judge. But uh, I agree with what you're saying. Not for player of the, player of the year. Um, but I will definitely go with Cornell Hendricks for the Carling Curry Cup player of the year. Yes. Then we move on to the world rankings. Mark, your favorite world rankings? Yeah, I always like to talk about this. Um, after nearly two years, South Africa is still lying at the top, which is, which is great uh, for us. Although, you know, if you, if you think about it, um, people out there might not understand how it works and whatever. And as a, as a rugby lover, it, it's it's difficult to to see a team not playing, and still be world number one. Uh, world champions they can't take away for four years. That's yes. a fact. Doesn't matter even if we drop to tenth position, we'll stay world champions. But to be ranked world number one and you haven't played, um, it's I think it's a it's a bit bitter to swallow. But having said that, it just showed how South Africa dominated world rugby at that specific stage to rack up all the points for these teams not to catch us. We've always also been fortunate that, you know, then the one England, for argument's sake, they were they were second in the world, um, and then Wales beat them and they drop, and then France beat their side and they go up, and and so we've been fortunate in that sense that the second team in the world hasn't been dominating world rugby mm -hmm. either. So if you look at the standings after this weekend's uh, Six Nations and that, as I said, South Africa is still lying first in the world, well, 94 point 
to points. New Zealand, all of a sudden, have crept into the second position, and they haven't played Fair since uh, mm. since November, I think it was last yeah. year. Um, that shows you just how the point system works. And unfortunately, it shows you how poor a team like England has been to drop down past them. And, and, and England themselves were, I think, at one stage in the 90%. England was third last week, and they've dropped to fourth this Correct. week now. You know, and then obviously, and, and <laughs> France, yet again, although they didn't play, they've now gone to, to third position um, on 86.42. England, with their performance against Wales, have dropped to 85% or points. And then Wales are now in six, and the Aussies uh, in sixth position and 83. And then uh, Ireland and, and Scotland make up the rest, the seven and eight. But having said that, this weekend in the, in, the, in the Six Nations, quite a bit of that will change. Guaranteed, though, I think what will happen is, is New Zealand, I think, will stay second. Yes. There's too much of a gap between France and, and uh, England to make a difference there. And obviously, France and New Zealand, you're looking at uh, nearly one and a half of points. So, but it could happen. I mean, if, if France beat England and they beat them quite convincingly, there's a good possibility they might go up to second position. So... Um, we're saying that yet again, France might not play against England because of COVID and possibly being withdrawn out of out And of maybe a political nations. decision. Correct. And then I think the top, the top four might stay the same. Um, having said that, Wales play Italy. And with a mass, massive performance there, because they're only like one point away from, away, away from England, England might drop to fifth position. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Might. And obviously one feels sorry for Eddie Jones. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Appreciate your input and all your knowledge on the game. Donald, thank you for joining us again. It's always a pleasure, Cus. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, Cus, thanks for that. And Don, all the best to you and UKZN in the Varsity Shield. Um, you know, it's, uh, we understand it's not like a provincial setup in that, but you carry the weight of KZN going into this tournament. Um, you know, when I was there, it was a few years ago, we were talking about Varsity Cup, Varsity Cup, Varsity Cup, and yeah, you're in that position. And obviously to win the Shield gives you that opportunity to, to aim for the Varsity Cup, but it's a difficult competition it to is, play. Yeah. You know, and with COVID and going to bio bubbles and all that, it's a different story. But all the best to you and your team. I know you guys will do the province proud. And uh, definitely from Touchline, we will support you guys all the way. And... You better do well because we're going to invite you back into the studio after that. So tell us how well you guys have done. That will be an interesting discussion. <laughs> Donald can't wait. No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> All the best for you and your team. Thank you, Cus. Thank you for tuning in to Touchline. From myself, Casper Els and Mark Cameron, have a great rugby week. <laughs>